Well, good morning. This is a special day. It's not a normal day. I don't, do we ever have any normal days, though, after actually kind of think of it? But this is a really, really special day in the life of New Spring Church. This whole weekend is because all these services, all three of our weekend services are built around receiving an offering. And this offering is going to be for a brand new kids building, which, by the way, is already started. We got started on Thursday. And um, so if you're our guest here today, I want you to know this is not our normal weekend. Um, but this is just a really, really special moment in the life of this church. Uh, it's kind of cool for me to, to stand before you and, and say something like that because it was 10 years ago this very week that we moved into this facility. If May 23rd, 1999, I stood on the stage for the first time and delivered a talk. And uh, so it's just, it, it, isn't it ironic that here we are 10 years later doing something really, really cool? And, and, and the thing that I, I, I'm asking you to do, I know, is a big step. Because I, I, I watch the news, I read the papers, I know what the economy is, and so on. This church is a little quirky. It seems like every time God calls us to step forward in a big way, the times are tough. In fact, the two buildings that we added in late 2001 were added right after 9-11. So it's like God just puts a hill out there for us to climb that's always a result of his blessing and us needing to take another step. And what's really exciting to me to think about is what God has already done in this place. Everything you can see when you look around this campus, everything you can see was put here by the faith of God's people. And guys, I got to tell you, you know, a lot of people have the idea when they see New Spring, they think, well, it's a really, really rich church. And I can tell you this, we're blessed with all kinds of people here. But when you, when you look at this campus, what you're seeing is people week in and week out, a lot of times people just like you and me week to week who have faith in God and they believe in what God is doing here and they believe in enough to write a check, put it in an envelope and, and everything you can see from this environment to kids space and everything else is just God's people responding in faith to the need. And uh, when we built this building, which now we have, I guess, anywhere between 34 and 3,700 people who worship here every weekend, this building, this where we are right now, the group that stepped out on faith to do this was about 600 people. And I can tell you this, being part of that for eight years, from the first time I started looking for land in 1991 until I brought the first talk here in May of 1999, it was an eight-year process. It was always impossible until the very last week. It was something that I just, when the train left the station and we said, God, we're either going to, we're either going to see something fantastic happen or we're going to crash and burn. And I'm thankful to tell you that every time we've stepped out by faith in the 24 years I've been here, every time we've stepped out by faith, God has always met the need and he's taken care of all of us who have given sacrificially to meet that need. And by the way, nobody ever gives sacrificially to God because you can't outgive God. But anyway, we're going to talk about that today and, and uh, in just a little while. We're going to receive an offering, in fact, uh, probably just in about 20 minutes. So if you want to like have your envelope out, if you're a New Springer, uh, but if you're not a New Springer, please don't feel any pressure. If you're not part of New Spring Church, guys, just enjoy this and, and, and as a spectator. But if you're a New Springer, just want to get your envelope out and start thinking about what God would have you do. And let me just say this, one more thing. In all the years that I've been here, I've never been what I would consider a systematic fundraiser. Uh, the only thing that I've ever done is just to stand before our church and say, guys, you know, here's what we're facing. Here's the problem that we're facing. We, we're, we're to the place now, as fast as we're growing, that if we don't do something real quickly, we're actually going to have to close environments and say, sorry, no more kids. And I just, to me, that's untenable. How can you do that? 
you know? And, and we have a fantastic solution. We have a building that's going to double our kid space. It's going to cost $3.1 million. All I know to do is just stand up here and ask you to do whatever God is leading. I, I'm not asking you to do anything specific. I'm just asking you to ask God what he would want you to do. And as long as you're cool with God, I assure you, that's as much as I'll ever ask from you, just to be responsive to God. My talk today, though, I want to take us back to the book of Exodus, chapters 32 through 35, and I'm only going to look at a, a section of Scripture in chapter 35, but if you want to read this when you go home, it's really, really a very interesting thing. There's a, an interesting juxtaposition in chapters 32 and chapters 35. What happens is, is about the worst usage of money that God's people have ever experienced, and in chapter 35, it's one of the best experiences of when God's people use money. Aren't you glad that God is a God of second chances? You know, you know, here's the thing. The best thing is not to make a mistake, but the second best thing is to learn from the mistakes that we have made and go on and live a life that's pleasing to God. And, and what we're going to see is we're going to see God's people make a mistake regarding the way they spent their money, and then we're going to see them figure it out and just go to a whole nother level. I think it'll be helpful for us today. This was not the talk I was going to bring this weekend. I mean, midweek, God just kind of like grabbed me by the shoulders, not literally, but God just kind of stopped me and said, hey, Mark, I want you to go a different direction. So I don't know why he wanted me to do this, but I'm going to try to be obedient today. Uh, let's talk about the first, just, just real quick, let's talk about the time when they really used money badly. And, and here's the thing. What we learn from this experience is the reason why we tend to use money badly is we lose our vision for what's really important in life. The story is the Israelites, they're coming out of Egypt. They haven't been out very long. God has just sent the ten plagues, and then Pharaoh let them go, and God opened the Red Sea, and boom, they're out here in the wilderness, and they're on their way to this wonderful land that God is going to give them. But their vision's kind of shallow, and they're really depending upon Moses. It's like every time Moses stands before them and gives a talk from God, it's like a vision transfusion. But now Moses has been taken out of the picture for 40 days. God has called him up on to a mountain to talk to him directly, to give him instructions that he's going to go back and give to the people. And in these instructions are rules for them to obey, but most of the time that God is spending with Moses, you can read this in the book of Exodus, most of the time God is spending with Moses is to give him, of all things, ideas and instructions for a magnificent building where God is going to be worshipped. And what's really cool about this building is totally portable. After all, they're traveling. And so God is showing Moses how he wants this building built. Now, here's the thing. Some people have the idea if it's for God, it should be dull. Where do people get stuff like that? Read how God wanted this building built. It was magnificent. God even had it down to the colors he wanted. He had the coolest colors. The, you know, he wanted stuff made out of gold. He wanted this box, this 42-inch cubic box to be in the middle of the uh, tabernacle inside the, you know, the magnificent high-colored tents. This box was the Ark of the Covenant. If you've seen the movies, you know the old movies about the Ark of the Covenant, that God wanted that to be in there. And everything was deliciously portable, and it would last for 400 years. In fact, it would go with them throughout the, from the wilderness into the promised land, and even through the kingdom of King David, and not until 950, when, 950 BC, when Solomon became king, not until then would they have a permanent structure. So for a long time, this would be the place where people would come and worship God. And God was giving Moses all this wonderful instruction. People didn't know this. They were down there at the bottom of the mountain. But God was saying to Moses, people are going to come here. They're going to know their sins are forgiven when they leave. They're going to come here and they're going to get teaching about who I am and how to live their lives. And when they have questions about life and they don't know how to figure it out, they're going to come by this place and they're going to learn. And God is saying, I'm going to meet with them there. 
how Moses is up there with his legal pad thinking, this is really, really cool. He's writing all these instructions down. You can read all this stuff in the book of Exodus. But down at the bottom of the mountain, people are freaking. They're saying, what has happened to our boy Moses? Where is he? Maybe he got killed. Maybe he ran off. Maybe he's never coming back. Maybe we're stuck out here. Maybe, maybe, maybe we need to figure this out on our own. Now, there was Moses' brother, Aaron, who was left in charge. Aaron was not a good leader. He was kind of a weak guy. You should know that. And the people started telling Aaron, we haven't been to the mall in a long time, and we got a lot of money we want to spend. In those days, it wasn't currency. It was rings. It was bracelets. It was gold necklaces. It was earrings. They, they were saying, we have a lot of bling, and we need to do something with it. How about we build a golden calf? Well, they had lost their vision. They wanted to spend their money, but they had lost their vision. And all they could remember was the life that they used to live back in Egypt. And back in Egypt, they worshiped idol gods. And by the way, an idol is just anything we love more than God. But they remembered the lifestyle and the parties that they used to have. The worship of the Egyptians and also the Canaanites, the land that they were going into. The worship of both places, it was very licentious in nature, very sexual in nature. I mean, they would, you know, they would get around these so-called gods. They'd start drinking, they'd start using, and then they'd you know, start dancing and stuff would happen. And so these, the people said, hey, we got a lot of stuff to spin here. Why don't you make us a god? And Aaron said, okay. And he took up an offering. What a terrible offering you take up, right? And so the people just started spending. Man, they took off their rings. And they took off their watch. Well, they didn't have watches, did they? They took off their bracelets. See, the Bible says they pulled off their earrings. And they gave them to Aaron. And Aaron melted them down. And he fashioned, had a calf fashion. And unfortunately, it was a terrible chapter. Like I said, it's the worst experience I could ever think of in the Bible where God's people use their money. You know, they started drinking and they started, you know, dancing and partying. And a few people started taking their clothes off and it got crazy. And it was just a, it was an awful thing. By this time, Moses is coming down the mountain. He's got Joshua with him. It's his young protege. Joshua, who would be the next leader. And Joshua, he's a young guy. He has no idea what's going on. He hears this wild noise coming out of there. And, and Joshua's saying, wow, we must be under attack. It sounds like war. And Moses said, buddy, you're too young to know about this. That's a party going on. There's, there's some crazy stuff going on. And when Moses got into the camp and he saw how bad stuff was, the, you know the story how he took the tablets of stone and broke them. And, and it was bad, and, and, and those people experienced some tough stuff. And here's one thing that I think is sort of humorous in the Bible. I'm glad God is a God of humor. In this bad situation, Moses ground that calf up and ground it into powder and put it in the water and made them drink it. And I thought, you know, I was kind of thinking about that thing. Wow, those, those, those poor dummies. And I got thinking about, you know, that's happened with me sometimes because I've lost my vision when it comes to money. And I've spent foolishly. And, and God has a way of making me drink that. How many of us have experienced that? I mean, we didn't buy a calf. I mean, but we may have got a white elephant. Right? And, and who, you know, who needs a golden calf? Who needs a white? I mean, how many of us have bought stuff we didn't like with money we didn't have to impress people we don't care about? Wow, and we have to drink it. Minimum payments on a credit card, 21%. Bankruptcy. House full of junk. That's what happens when we lose our vision. 
See, the people lost their vision. They, they didn't see any future. They just said, we got money to spend, but all we want to spend it on is feeling good and creature comforts, and they just blew it. But I'm so glad to tell you that just a short time later, these people got it. Because Moses stood before them and said, hey, let me tell you about what God showed me when I was up on the mountain. Because God told me about a place that we could build. And if we built this place, it would be magnificent. It would be beautiful. It would be themed space. And when we go there, we're going to encounter God because God's presence is going to be there. And we're going to learn about God. And the people caught the vision. That's where I want to take you in the Bible right now to the book of Exodus chapter 35. Because this is why, and I, guys, I have no idea why God did this to me. But it's like God just sort of tapped me on the shoulder and said, this is what's going on at New Spring right now. This is an unusual church. You guys are awesome. When I talk to pastors about what it's like to lead you, I always tell them it's like driving a Porsche. All all I have to do is just tap the accelerator and you guys respond to God. You know, some churches, you know, the poor pastor is like trying to drive a car that hasn't had a tune-up in years and he floorboards the thing and nothing happens. All I got to do is just tap the accelerator and tell you what God wants and you guys do it. You are, as far as I'm concerned, the greatest church in America. And I had the feeling that God was just saying, Mark, this is where New Spring is. Bring this message. Verse 20, Exodus 35. So the whole community of Israel left Moses and return to their tents. They have just heard Moses give them the vision of this magnificent building. All whose hearts were stirred and whose spirits were moved came and brought their sacred offerings to the Lord. Now, I, I want to just read that to you out of the message. The message paraphrase says, whose heart was roused and whose spirit was freely responsive. Now, let me take a time out right now. Because I could be talking to some of you here this morning, and you're saying, I wish I hadn't come today. Because the guy's talking about money, and I don't want to give. I'm going to do something dangerous for a pastor. I'm going to suggest that you don't. Really, really. Because see what happened here. This was an offering for people whose hearts were roused and whose spirits were responsive. See, when I think about this building, it touches my heart. I mean, I go out there on the spot where, and I start praying for kids who aren't even born yet. I mean, almost a thousand kids gather here every weekend, and this is going to this is going to double our kid space. I mean, it's going to be for kids from two to, to to five years old, and and I know what I know thematically what we teach to those kids. There's a theme that everything branches off of, and here is that theme that we teach kids in that environment: God loves you, and He wants to be your best friend. Wow. I mean, they're going to get multiple lessons for years about who God is and what his love for them is and what a relationship with God is like. And I think about, guys, I got to tell you, <laughs> if you were in full access, I know you heard me say this, but when, when, the, when the weekend is over here at New Spring, when Mary Alice and I leave, we're not usually in a traffic jam because it's usually pretty late. But if we're in the same car and, and we're leaving, for some crazy reason, I do something kind of strange. I'll just circle the park. I'll circle the campus. It's, we're, it's kind of in a circle anyway, isn't it? I'll circle the campus, and I'll just look at this place, and I'll thank God for what God did that weekend. And then I always say the same thing. I look at Mary Alice, especially as we're passing the kids' facility, and I always ask her, wouldn't you have loved to have grown up in this church? 
wouldn't you have loved to grow up in this church? Man, I think about what our kids are learning. Some of you, you've told me your stories. Guys, especially, I, I've talked to a lot of you, 27, 28, 30-year-old guys, and you sat in my office, and you sat there, and some of you with tears coming down your face. You said, Mark, when I was a kid, I was growing up in church, and it was awful. And I swore to myself, as soon as I didn't have to go back to church anymore, I would never go back to church. But now I can't wait to get to New Spring. I can't wait to invite all my friends. I can't wait to bring my kids to New Spring. And, and I feel that, thing, that same thing, too, when, we, when I say to Mary Alice, wouldn't you have loved to grow up in this church? Man, this building touches my heart. It rouses my heart. If it doesn't touch your heart, don't worry about this. I, I thought, I made a mistake in a worship folder. We should have put some crossword puzzles or something in there. <laughs> Connect the dots. So that anybody that just wanted to check out at least would have something to do. And I'm cool with that. I really am. I know, isn't that crazy? I'm a terrible fundraiser. I mean, all I know to do is just stand before God's people and ask for God's will. I mean, that's all I know to do. But I'm saying, if it doesn't touch your heart, check out on me, please. Please, this is for people whose heart is roused. And then it says their spirit was stirred. I was reading something this week. I thought it was the coolest thing in the world. Over in Ghana, there's a denomination, an American denomination, Protestant denomination that has churches throughout Ghana. And they insist that the worship style be pretty much just like the American liturgy is here in the United States. And it's pretty dull by Ghana standards. But there was one part of the service that this particular denomination acceded to the wishes of the Ghanans. And that was during the offering because in Ghana, they danced during the offering. Now think about this. These are people who probably don't make as much in a week as you and I will spend on lunch today. But they're so excited about giving to God that when the offering time comes in, by the way, the offering can last for a long time because the people dance when they're bringing their offering forward. And we Americans, we don't know about that. You know, I thought that is the coolest thing in the world. But that's exactly what the Bible's talking about in Exodus. It's saying these are people whose hearts were roused and they danced when they brought their offering. Their spirits were moved. That's what I'm talking to today. You say, Mark, I don't want to participate. Hey, I'm totally cool with that. Totally cool with that. Now notice, they brought all the materials needed. Well, God had asked for a lot of gold, a lot of silver, a lot of precious clothing. God had asked for some beautiful things, but they brought everything. I like verse 22. It says both men and women came. Guys, I got to tell you this. It isn't just one gender that does God's work. I mean, in God's sight, man, it's, it's, it's equal. Men and women came whose hearts were willing. They brought to the Lord their offerings of gold, brooches, earrings, rings from their fingers, necklaces. They presented gold objects of every kind as a special. In other words, it wasn't the normal tithe offering like we have at the end of the service. It was our missions offering. It was a special offering. Every man, verse 29, if you're, if you're, if you're reading this with me, and, and this is out of the message, every man and woman in Israel whose heart moved them freely to bring something for the work that God through Moses had commanded them to make brought it a voluntary offering to the Lord. Now, two expressions stand out to me from that text. Number one is bring something. I, I know how life works. When it, New Spring Church is a strange church. Everybody from every strata worship is, worships at New Spring. And I love that. Sometimes I stand up and I look, I look out on you guys and, 
Now look at who's here in the diversity that God has brought to our place. Phenomenal. When it comes to bringing something, for some of you, you could stretch to your limits and you would say, Mark, if I brought a gift today that would stretch me to my limits, it might not look that big. Well, first of all, could I remind you that the person who's looking is God? And God knows what you're capable of. God knows your heart. Remember Jesus was taking an offering one time? And, you know, there were rich people. They were dropping in what looked like eye-popping sums to the disciples. But these people had so much money they were giving out of their excess. didn't really affect their lifestyle. But to the disciples, boy, it was eye-popping. These were big checks. And the disciples were saying, you know, wow, Peter, did you see that? Oh, man, that was a big one. That was a whopper, you know. Did you see that gift? And along came a widow, and she dropped in two very small pieces of currency. Yeah, he didn't say anything. There's somebody down there. It looks like he's got a big check. Man, Jesus jerked their chain with all his force. When he said to that, to the, that widow that just dropped in those two small coins, hey, that was, that was her grocery money. And Jesus said she gave more than they all. Now, that's Jesus is God. He's the one who will look at us today. I'm talking to some of you. You say, well, Mark, man... My gift is not big enough. It won't make any difference, but I'm stretching to do it. It is huge to God. God doesn't look at what you give. He looks at what you have left. I mean, I'm always reading about some billionaire who makes some sort of endowment, and it makes the index page of MSN. And I'm thinking, I know people at New Spring who bring God a tenth of everything they make. If this billionaire brought a tenth of everything he made, it would be huge. And I'm saying, in God's sight, the person who does what they can with the resources that God has given them, remember you times two, God looks at that as huge. Bring something. Bring something. For some of us, God has blessed us very much financially. And the temptation would be, well, you know, I can write a check. It'll look big. But the question is not how it looks to people. The question is how it looks to God. I mean, let me read this one more time. They brought something. The second phrase that I want to point to is the last part of verse 29 when it says they brought it a voluntary offering. In other words, it wasn't duty. Nobody shamed them into doing it. This was something that was voluntary. God gave them a vision, and they voluntarily responded. I want to jump down to chapter 36, verse 3, because I want to make a point here. Let me just tell you how things work in my my household. For many of us, I understand what it's like. We're week to week. And so writing a very large check, it ain't going to happen today. But for many of us, even though we can't write a large check for a large gift today, we can do something on a weekly basis. And I love this. And in in fact, that's what I would like for you to look at the envelope because you can see there's a place for both things, for a gift this weekend and a weekly weekly gift. In chapter 36, verse 3, the the Bible says, the people kept on bringing their free will offerings morning after morning. So these are people that when the first offering was taken, they brought what they could, but they were obviously continuing to make income as the week went on, as they, as they did their jobs. And so they would come back the next day and say, hey, I brought some more gold, or hey, I brought some more special fabric, or I brought something else, and they just kept on. They didn't stop. Now, I want to show you what has to be as a pastor and as a leader, the strangest words in the Bible. You guys ready for this? I mean, for some of you, it's, you need to just buckle your seatbelt because this is really, really weird. 
All the artisans who were at work making everything, this is Exodus 36, 4. All the artisans who were at work making everything involved in constructing the sanctuary came, one after another, to Moses, saying, See, this is why I think God spoke to me about this text for New Spring. The people are bringing more than enough for doing this work that God has commanded us to do. So Moses sent out orders to the camp. Men, women, no more offerings. When was the last time you went to church and heard that? (laughs) Stop, enough. No more offerings for the building of the sanctuary. The people were ordered to stop bringing offerings. There was plenty of material for all the work to be done. Enough and more than enough. Now, why does God have that in the Bible? I I don't know what's going to happen in this offering. I couldn't tell you. But what I do want you to know is once upon a time, there was a group of God's people who caught the vision so much. And their hearts were so roused and their spirits were so stirred that they had to be stopped. Wouldn't that be cool if something like that happened here? These are people who had lost the vision at one point. They got it back, and they got it right. I'm going to ask you to take your envelope. If, if, you, if this has stirred your heart, if it's roused your spirit, I'm going to ask you to take your envelope and think about two things. Number one, think about a gift for this weekend. And then think about what you want to do for the next 12 months, because these next 12 months are so crucial. We want to move into this building in December. You're, and, and see, here's the deal, guys. We're under such a time crunch. We're doing this all backward. We should have our time to have an offering and then start the building. But we had to actually start the building last week. We have thrown our hats over the wall. And so I just need you to do whatever God is leading you to do, to bring an offering this week and then to think about a commitment for the next 12 months because those months are so critical. Above your tithe and your offering, if this has stirred your heart, if this has roused your spirit, I want to ask you to do that. And so I'm going to give you a few moments to get those ready because our kids are coming in, kids from Kids World. They're going to receive the offering today. So I'm going to ask all our kids to come in and and let's just get ready to have a good time because we are about to celebrate New Spring Church doing what the people in Israel did years ago. It's an envelope. You can just wave your hand and we'll get you one if you don't have an envelope. One over here, a spot over here. I've got one up here on stage. There you go, Gary. Yes, sir. Okay, when you have your envelope ready, you can just start waving your hands, and one of these good-looking kids from Kids World, who's taking, they're taking a little time off from Kids World, they'll come receive your offering and bring it up here. So and when you have your envelope, just wave it. It's a wave offering before the Lord today. It's a marvelous light I'm running Out of darkness, out of shame By the cross you are the truth You are the life, you are the way I once was fine 
stranger with no hope. Your kindness awakens me, it wakens me from my sleep. Yeah, your love it beckons deeply, a call to come and die. By grace now I will come and take this life, take your life. Sin has lost its power, death has lost its Light up from it, out of darkness, out of shame. By the cross, you are the truth, you are the life, you are the way. My dead heart now is beating, my deepest stains now clean. Your breath of my lungs now I'm free now you're free sin has lost its power oh death has lost its sting from the grave you risen victoriously it's a marvelous light I'm running out of darkness out of shame by the Light, I'm running out of darkness, out of shame. By the cross, you are the truth, you are the life, you are the way. Lift my hands and spin around. See the light that I found. Oh, the marvelous light, marvelous light. An applause today. Thanks, guys. Guys, you have no idea what you're making possible. I mean, this is just going to be phenomenal space. And uh, for some reason, I, I just can't get out of my head what it was like to be here 10 years ago. 
as we had our first service here. There was a, a text, and I can still remember real clearly my message, which I don't usually remember my messages. As you guys know, I move on to the next thing pretty fast. But I remember the talk that I gave because this building had been so long in coming, and it had been a dream. We had stretched for it. It had been a struggle. I earned the gray hairs that I cover up during that time. And, 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 and finally, you know, after all the pieces had come together, we came in here for a worship service. I remember the talk that I gave to everybody. When Solomon built the temple, and not just Solomon, but all the people built the temple, he gave a talk. And after the talk, the Bible says the presence of the Lord came into the place. And what, what was cool to me is I looked at what happened back to these people who built this tabernacle. They brought their stuff and they kept on bringing it until there was more than enough. And if you look in Exodus chapter 40, the Bible says, so at last Moses finished the work. Then the cloud covered the tabernacle and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. The presence of God came. Guys, I got to tell you, that's what means so much to me. Because our kids and our grandkids are going to go into some space that by faith you sacrificed and gave by faith to. And our kids are going to go into that space. And it's going to be the coolest environment you can imagine. But that's not the deal. They're going to go in there and hear the life-changing word from God. And the glory of the Lord is going to come on that place. You think the glory of the Lord only comes on places where adults are? (laughs) I can assure you, the Bible says their angels are in the front row in heaven. God cares. I mean, kids are on. That's why kids are everything in New Spring. That's why my old office is now part of the three-year-old complex. That's why we've converted almost all adult space to kid space, because kids are everything to us. And I am convinced that when that building's finished, and those teachers and presenters stand there and they show those kids what God has to say, I think the glory of the Lord's going to come on that place, like it does in here, and like it is, like he is in our other kid spaces. That's what I'm pumped about today.